Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Eli Kim, Chris and, Francis. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> Big Easy K and CLF with us in the house. Um, right. Or rather, I'm yeah. sorry, it's Sports Easy K now. You, yes. You've changed yes. your change your moniker. Twitter, your moniker. There you go. <laughs> but uh, we're just hitting here, taking in this pretty good uh, uh, Bucks. Suns game here. It's about mid third with the uh, with it's the game book. tied at seventy three. So Bo- Booker putting on a performance. Ah, Devin Booker annoys me. I, there's certain things. Just he kind of has kind of carries himself the same way that Steph does. You know, he's just oh, kind of sure, cocky sure. and yeah. No, I've you know, gone too clean. I've, and, I've cooled on him. I've cooled yeah. on him. He's but, really I good. mean, uh, but when he gets hot, he's really yeah. hard to stop. Exactly, exactly. My God, yeah. Are you talking about Colin Sexton and Phoenix? <laughs> no. Um, what well, you mean? The exactly. Six, the six foot four Sexton. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um. No, it's. That's what it, made me cool on him. Is the comparison to Sexton? <laughs> I I like Devin Booker a lot. Um, I actually like Colin. Yeah, we'll get to Colin. Yes. But, I mean, how do you see – how many games do you see this series going? I think it's going to the wall. I agree. I th- uh, and somebody does not have the game on mute in the background. Uh, I'm hearing it bleed through there. I'm – make sure it's not me. <sighs> yeah, and then we got Devin Booker with the fake and flail there getting uh, – Getting no, Connaughton up in the us. air. I hate the fake and flail. <laughs> I'm yeah, so I'm happy they don't call it. Yeah. They, they don't call it the Olympics at all. That's where Kevin Love's been trying to get it. And I'm just like, they're not going to call that, dude. And exactly. <laughs> he's done it twice now. And <laughs> yeah, you've been watching. I haven't watched any uh, uh, international qualifying. Um, but from what I've heard, Kevin Love's looks very, very pedestrian. Oh, it's bad. 
It's bad. <laughs> like he just can't guard anybody. And it's just, it just, oh my gosh, the, the, there's a clear delineation between the first string, second string and the third string for team USA. And then what Kevin loves behind that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's on the third string for sure. Yeah. So yeah, well, although, they're only running one big as well. Like, uh, they're only running either bam or Draymond. Yeah. So, um, and 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 it's and the rebounding suffered actually. So I could see I, I could actually see love them needing love for rebounding purposes. But his shot was off. I mean, like it's hard to say. I mean, they were sandbagging. So yeah, like it, it, pretty much the whole roster was sandbagging, um, except for the young guys. Yeah, and that Nigeria good. game was was pretty lackluster. And then our boy, yeah. our bar boy Matthew Deli, um. No longer a Cav, uh, uh, signed with Melbourne. Um, I can't remember what their mascot is, but uh, yeah, no more <laughs> Delhi in in Cleveland. Kind of bummed. Yeah. I know, I know you are not the biggest fan, Eli, but um, he, I've always enjoyed him. Um, but uh, yeah, no more Delhi, and he and Dante Exum took out the Cavs or took out Team USA. And, you know, two of the Cavs on Team USA. Uh, oh, yeah. What day was it? It was I guess it was yesterday. two days ago. Yeah. yeah. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Yeah, you're right. Two days two ago, days and ago. then they, they beat Argentina yesterday. Yeah, who yeah, really doesn't have a lot of uh, NBA players on their squad. So. Yep, yep. <sighs> yeah, and people even got on the Mike Brown bandwagon again, which oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Because of uh, the real Nigeria. architect of the golden state dynasty. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that was interesting. Uh, Darius Garland has had definitely had some flashes and not getting a ton of run, but really has thrown some highlight, highlight real passes for sure. And looks, looks pretty darn shifty. And just the, and the reports out of camp is that he looks pretty good. It's pretty hard to stop one-on-one, um, which makes me super happy. Uh, anything to add to that, guys? Yeah, I'll add one more thing. Um, the hot news that is coming out today is that Bradley Beal might not be able to go due to health and protocol, safety protocol. Oh, yeah. So a lot of a lot of cast Twitter right now is going ablaze saying, does this mean Garland's going to be going to Tokyo? And uh, it'll be interesting. They... Uh, there's not a lot of true point guards on the team right now. Obviously, they're going to add one with Drew whenever the finals are over. But that being said, I mean, a good he could potentially be a replacement option, actually. And, you know, that'd only be even better for his overall development if he were able to go to the Olympics. So I'm, I'm all for hoping for it because it would be cool to get a, a Team USA jersey of Garland, one of the younger players versus a love jersey who's already... You know, been there and won gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think there's a shot that Love doesn't make the squad? I think he's locked in. I don't think they can like undo it now for him. It'd yeah, be, it'd be pretty tough. It'd be, it'd be a really bad look, I think, because they had to defend it so hard. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would think just a lock from a roster construction standpoint. I mean, they really don't have any bigs, so yeah, I mean, and I don't know where they could get one. Exactly. At, the, at this yeah. late hour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's just kind of, uh, uh, I mean, like, it, 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 
I think they're just saving him. He's barely played. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's basically <laughs> breaking, breaking. I mean, it's going to be Draymond and Bam for the, yeah. you know, for the bigs. So, and break glass in case of emergency. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, Phoenix kind of pulling away here. Do you see this series going seven? You see it going six, five? Where, where are we at here? Oh, the, I, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement with Fox you. Suns. I, think, I think it's going seven. So, uh, I think they're evenly matched. Although, I don't know. I did, I kind of, I didn't expect the Suns to win tonight, to be honest. I mean, I expected them to keep it close, but uh, they might, yeah, play, I uh, mean, it could be five. Well, although to me, it really feels more like them beating themselves, uh, Milwaukee, but that's kind of what Milwaukee does too. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. and, and moving on to the next kind of crazy news out of the Cavs is the roller coaster, you know, who the Cavs are drafting, uh, what's going on with Colin Sexton. I know. Um, some interesting news this week is the Cavs had Jonathan Kaminga in for a second workout. Is that correct, Eli? Yep, that's correct. Uh, today that he was at, in Cleveland for the reports. Um, and I guess another little tidbit that was a little surprising that went under the radar hasn't really gotten a lot of press is that Evan Mobley has already come and worked out for the Cavs. Um, according to Evan Damrell. So. Interesting that, you know, Mobley's workout went really under the radar, but then Kuminga's second workout is being very publicly announced from Chris Fedor and the other national media outlets. So kind of curious what the narrative is that the Cavs are trying to show out there. Maybe, I don't know, drumming up interest for Kuminga, but I'd be really shocked if he's even in strong consideration for their third overall pick. And it Honestly, it'd be pretty disappointing if they did end up going that way, of course. Well, I, I got to think if Kaminga's in play, it's really a trade-back scenario. Would you agree, or do you think he'd, he would be a serious guy they consider at three? Oh, I think it'd have to be a trade-back. Um, it would be really hard to sell to a fan base if they were to stand pat at three based on all the you know draft Twitter and publications going on. I think a lot of people are actually even further cooling on Kuminga. Um, some don't even have him in the top five anymore. So it'll be interesting. You know, the Cavs, Cavs usually keep it pretty tight lipped. You know, Garland was kind of out of nowhere. Um, you know, Sexton, they did reportedly like before the draft, but you know, I think that until we get really close, it's, it's going to be hard to project who the Cavs are actually really looking at hard. Yeah, and I think, you know, do you get the sense that if the org had their choice, Jalen Green would be the guy? Or is that not even, or is he just not getting past Houston now? I think everything on Twitter is showing that Green is going to go two for sure, whether it be a trade back with Detroit um, and Houston. Um, So I think... Honestly, I think the Cavs probably would like Green over Mobley because of the whole Jared Allen conundrum for them long term, I think. Right. So Well, and but, I actually have issues with Mobley. Um he's kinda got a weird frame. Um 
he has kind of atypical defensive metrics for a big where he's kind of good at blocking shots, but you wonder how he can defend in space. Um, he moves the, the big thing on him is he moves really well for a big, uh, especially offensively and especially as a role man. Um, but how well does he shoot? I mean, is it anything to add to that from a Mobley standpoint? I'm not a draft expert on this stuff, but that those to me are kind of, he just seems kind of like a weird fit, uh, both in the NBA and in, uh, kind of how his skill set translates to being an elite player, which is somebody you want as a top three pick. Eli or Chris? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's really more, I want to say it's more, it's not about anything in particular. It's more about his mindset and his approach to the game. Um, what happens his in his worst moments uh, that I've seen, at least of his games, um, he just, he, he becomes passive. He, he can be dominated um, with energy and physicality. You know, and and so sometimes he gets overwhelmed with that and becomes a shrinking flower, you know, at the moment of truth. But um, for me, I, I think he's a great shooter. I think he has all the skill in the world offensively. I think he's I think he sees the game, reads the game like a coach. He can make the right pass. He could take the right shot. He, he's he's patient. He knows exactly what's going on, what everybody's role is, you know, I mean, he's, he's a really intelligent player. Um, and it shows also on the defensive end. I mean, he just, he can rotate, he's great in space, you know, he can guard. Um, it's really just, does he have that extra gear, um, to take his game to the next level as far as, you know, uh, just saying like, you know, it's, it's the superstar gene. It's, um, like Kawhi against it's Kawhi stepping up against Dallas, you know, just seizing the moment and seeing my team needs buckets. This is exactly what my team needs and I'm going to deliver it. I I need to get this crucial rebound. I'm going to get it. You know, it's, it's those superstar player, uh, superstar plays that you wonder, uh, can, can Evan Mobley make, you know, and, it, and and why was or, it or why didn't consistently? It, yeah, why why didn't it show up at USC? Was it just because he was a freshman? He was young, you know, just uh, finding his uh, feel. Um, and he, like that's the thing is, and that's what it usually is: is he's nineteen, you know, he's eighteen, nineteen. So that just comes with more confidence, more practice, you know, more time. But uh, he's got all the skill in the world. I, I mean, just. There's no question in my mind about him and whether he can play the game. He can play the game. So that's just kind of my spiel on it. Uh, Eli, anything to add on Kuminga as far as kind of what the knock on him is and why he's been dropping on people's draft boards? I know that he had a measurement issue where he measured kind of below where people thought he was going to. Yeah, a lot of people uh, thought he was like six eight. <laughs> that's kind of what he was came in as, but now I think everyone knows that he's around six foot six, which would definitely be a lot smaller. You know, he was projected to fit as a three, four, a small ball four possibly, but his passing, um, well, I mean, excuse me, his measurables obviously didn't shake out to where people are confidently penciling him in for that versatility. Now, uh, on top of that, he just, 
he started off really hot in the G League, but then he ended up kind of cooling significantly. And a lot of people don't think he can be, you know, kind of that superstar level prospect um, that Mobley or Kate Cunningham can project to. So I do think they're, in a weird way, I think the pendulum might have swung a little bit too far negatively for Kuminga. He actually is the youngest one in this draft in the top five. Surprisingly, all the other guys are actually pretty old. Mobley, Suggs, Cunningham are all 19. Close, some of them are even closer to 20. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's just crack, cracks me up that that's the discussion. <laughs> well, I, I, I understand, but... No, no, no. And I'm not <laughs> killing the messenger here. It's just it, That's a pretty comical statement. Yeah. They're so old at 19 years old, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Washed do, up, I, practically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Kuminga's one of the players that he just looks... His game is also not very pretty. He's pretty robotic when he shoots. And I think a lot of people just like the smooth, explosive athletes, and that's not the athlete or type that he is. Yeah. If there's a guy um, not in that conversation... Uh, so I got a two-part question for you, Eli. Um, is there a guy that you like that, I mean, I know the guy. Um, how how does Scotty Barnes, like to you, is is he still your kind of second favorite guy after Cade? Yeah, I mean, I really like Scotty Barnes. And I think it's, it's interesting because Scotty Barnes has a lot of, he does a lot of things well that you feel can easily translate. Whereas a guy like Mobley or a guy like Mobley or Kaminga, there's a lot of projection in what he does. Like, you know, I, one of the big issues for me with Mobley is he's the, he's a, he's a pretty bad rebounder. Um, his rebound percentage, especially on the defensive end is pretty low. And statistically, yeah, he, when you he's look at pretty this, willowy. Yeah. And, you know, some argue that it's because he played with his older brother and his older brother was, is definitely more of a traditional five. You know, big lumbering guy. But on the flip side, like Mobley shot like sub 70% from the free throw line. He only shot 30% from three. Granted, it's less than, you know, 1.2 attempts per game. So, you know, there's a lot of projection on what he does. He has good form. He has good soft touch. He, you know, shot 60% from the field. Um, but there's a lot of projection in a guy like Mobley. With Barnes, I think there's a lot less projection, and the skills that he really needs to improve on most, the shooting, is something that historically can be fixed and can be a skill that's worked on tremendously. And I think some people are scared that Barnes will be like uh, Ben Simmons, but I just can't imagine you know that type of regression in terms of shooting. So I really like uh, what, Barnes. What's his free throw shooting like? Uh, I don't think... I, I have to be honest. I think it's probably like an Isaac Cora level, like 70-ish percent. Let me look this up. Well, that's not terrible. Yeah, it's not like he's shooting like 50% from the free throw. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing with Simmons. Simmons never shot free throws well. So it is pretty – it's a little lot lower than I thought, actually, 62%. So Yeah, that's not low. great. Yeah, that's not Not great, great Eli. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to remember, he – in terms of the other, like, raw counting stats, his stats won't look good because he came off the bench. Um, he was their sixth man, and he only played 24 minutes per game. So, you know, his assists – you know, he averaged only four rebounds and four assists per game and 10 points. So, um, you know, I there's obviously some projection in that 
playing more, doing more, having more opportunity and time. But I really like Scotty Barnes, and I think a lot of people are kind of hot takingly putting him up in their in their top three, top five. I know John Hollinger, I think, has him in his top five, and Chad Ford has him in his top three. So there are a lot of people who like the tools of Scotty Barnes. I do too. Don't get me wrong. He he measured out pretty well. He's he's a legit six eight. His hands are like the size of Kawhi's. Um, not that that like is a really important thing, but for whatever reason, people I, like. I that. think it's an important thing. Hand size is a huge advantage. Being able to palm the ball, being able to get your mitts on the ball and steal, you know, that's a huge thing that Giannis has and Kawhi has. You know, the claw. So I I definitely think that that that's something that is helpful so um is there anybody else uh that you are are kind of falling in love with that we haven't talked about that might be a little further back or somebody you think hey man if the Cavs had another first round pick this is a guy I'd really like to see him take yeah for me there's actually two guys that I really like and I think the Cavs really like them too actually um I really like the Jason Preston guy from Ohio. I think, you know, granted, Cleveland, we like our Ohio uh, born basketball players. But I really think he has a unique skill set where he could be a crafty third guard. He can play, he does a little bit of everything. He playmates, he shoots. He's he's older, um, but he. Well, and let's not forget, he is the first blogger to NBA draft in NBA history, right? Yeah, Didn't, yeah, he he, posted he started his out. Tape. Yeah, he started out at like S doing SB Nation stuff, and somehow ended up at Ohio. You know, going through the junior college route, and yeah, is is definitely is probably going to be a mid to late first round pick. Ooh, I don't, I don't know if he'll go that high. He could go high, high, but I, I, th- I last you I saw he was as... projected second round, okay. solid second round. Yeah, okay, and. And who's the other guy you like? The other guy I like is uh, BJ Boston. He really disappointed this season in college, but a lot of people think that he has the physical tools and the skill set to be an NBA player. I think that he definitely is overlooked. Um, you know, playing at Kentucky, one of the pros and cons is you play with other very talented players. Like, you know, he played with Isaiah Jackson this year, who is probably, you know, a late lottery, really mid-first kind of guy, big man. But, you know, these Kentucky guys play with so much talent that they have to fit the Calipari system and don't get to use their full skill sets. And I, he could be a player that kind of fits that as well. Um, yeah, we kind of saw that. To Didn't we see that last year with Quickly, Emmanuel Quickly for the Knicks? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's just happened historically. Like Jamal Murray was drafted like seven because some felt like he didn't play. He didn't show that he could create his own shot a lot. You know, Devin Booker, for example, was also, you know, in the double-digit draft range. So there was just this unique thing where, and uh, to counter, to kind of further the argument, like AD being that dominant and winning a, being, uh, that good in college kind of made him like even a more surefire thing, I think, because of that uh, Kentucky system barrier. So I think they're well, and you looked at like you didn't see Carl uh, Anthony Towns' offensive re- repertoire at all in Kentucky. You know what I mean? Like he was 
that that was the funny thing about Cat when he came in. It was, oh, I'm going to be this guy's going to be a defensive force, and it ends up being the opposite. He's you know uh, kind of a uh, unicorn offensively and kind of a mad defender. So yeah, it, we. It, it it is interesting how guys from Kentucky kind of don't really fit their college role and kind of morph when they become pros. That being said, BJ Boston, um, I'm I'm pretty suspect of guys that shoot 36 percent from the field and 30 percent from three. Um, it, it, you want to talk to that at all? Yeah, I just think you know he's definitely not a polished shooter yet. I think, but his athletic skill set. You know, jumping out of the gym, being able to play defense, those are kind of the more uh, appealing things of him. And you, you know, you take a chance on him in the second round for sure um, to kind of develop that skill set to be a better shooter and improve on that. I think you take, you know, he's exactly the type of player you take a gamble on um, with the pure athleticism and you hope that he can round out the shooting and be a, be a important intriguing kind of developmental prospect um that you take interesting what about you uh chris anybody kind of that i guess i i'd say first off you know what what's your mobley um anything yeah. to add that about mobley that that eli kind of didn't cover i know you talked about kind of yeah. tangibles yeah yeah um i think basically the main thing is that and it kind of uh, piggybacked off of uh, Eli's point is that I think I think that Evan Mobley's exclusively a five. Like that's if he's going to pop, if he's going to be a unicorn type player, that's the position he's going to play in the NBA. Um, I don't see him fitting uh, with Allen, which is to Eli's point about you know I think Kaminga is actually in serious consideration. I do think there's a little bit of smokescreen. Uh, as far as pumping, you know, pumping value up for Kaminga with that, with, with the flirtations, uh, as far as the work. I heard concerned. they just nominated him for player of the week. <laughs> Are you serious? No. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, you remember the first two years of Colin Sexton's career, they like oh nominated him oh, yeah, for player so of the week every week. <laughs> so yeah so i mean uh i you know because the Cavs are wing starved it doesn't surprise me that that, that kaminga is getting a getting a, a strong look um because as i think um i think mobley's mobley's exclusively a five and the rebounding thing is definitely a concern it's definitely a concern with his body can his body hold up is he gonna be like a bull bull you know like is that is gonna be a bull bull situation where he just cannot physically take the NBA game. So, um, uh, you know, that's a legitimate concern. And, and that's why I only see him as a five. And if he'll blossom and stick in the NBA, I think it'll be as a five. That's where he'll create advantages, uh, for his game. Um, as far as guys that I like, uh, uh, you know, it's a wing draft. So the two wings that I'd be interested in are, um, Jalen Johnson of Duke, you know, of course with the Duke bias. Yeah. And, uh, you, you mentioned that last time. Yeah. I, I think there, it, and these are kind of two sides of the same coin type deal. Uh, Jalen Johnson would be like a home run type pick. You're trying to score a home run by taking him. I think, uh, What's high risk, about. high reward. Exactly. If you if he pops, he becomes a superstar wing, scoring wing with a little bit of playmaking upside. 
and he's got the defensive metrics down. You know, he's one of the best defenders coming out, uh, coming out of this draft class. Um, the question about him is his jump shot. Can, I mean, he shot well from the field. He has touch around the rim, uh, with both hands. He can finish with both hands, but the question is, is his jump shot? Um, it's a, uh, it's not exactly pretty and I don't know if it can be fixed. Um, the, the high floor guy, the high floor wing is definitely Franz Wagner. Um, he's, you basically can pencil him in as a three and D. Uh, special, you know, three point specialist immediately. He'll probably stick in the NBA for 10 years just doing that. Um, he's an incredibly good shooter. There might be even a little bit of, uh, you know, secondary playmaking with him, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, off of, uh, pick and roll actions or as a ball handler a little bit. But I mean, at least there's the shot and at least there's competent defense, uh, with him. Um, if, uh, you know, a little further back, uh, it's your boy, uh, a little further back, it's your boy, um, Giddy, Josh Giddy. Um, oh, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about Giddy. I think Giddy's a huge, his shot looked really good. <laughs> well, and, and I'll say the other thing, he's a super <laughs> effective player with no left hand. Right. So exactly. yeah. <laughs> I, I, almost to me, that's an advantage because, you know, as young as he is, that's something you can absolutely develop. He's so young. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. so young and he's and he's a smart player. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. Uh, it's uh, something I'll harp on, you know, continually is the superstars are all coaches on the floor. The superstars, right. you know, the superstars in the NBA, they all read the game at a coaching level. So, right. I mean, and, and that's kind of hard to identify because it's an intangible thing you know it's it's a basketball iq you know um yeah. but giddy has it i think and and the worry about him was his shot you know it was his jump shot and it looked pretty good in international play and that internet you know the, the little he got junk time in international play but nonetheless uh there's pressure to play there you know i mean like darius garland you know he, he's been rocky you know because he's 21 playing a, a very physical game uh and uh, Giddy seems to be holding his own out there against Nigeria, who obviously beat the United States. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing about the, – the really interesting thing about this draft is as we go through these exhi exhibitions, I mean, some of these guys that are draft eligible like Giddy, this could be – this is a huge stage for him. Absolutely. Yep. You know, hundred percent, hundred, totally agree. And, I, and not I, just, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're now you're selling me on him. I got to go back <laughs> and look some more. It's I mean, just, the jump shot looked really good. I'm just he's saying, fast that was, as that hell. Was the question. He's a great yeah. passer. He, yeah. yeah, and he's long enough that he he would most likely not be a complete disaster on defense. So plays it play dominated in a really good lead. Yeah. League. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at first he's definitely going to struggle on D, but yeah. Um, but I mean, like, say, uh, yeah. we, you know, uh, maybe a segue into Colin Sexton is the, the New York, uh, the New York draft picks 1921. You know, could you snag a falling Josh Giddy there? You know, or the other guy that's been mentioned, Alperin Sangoon, um, the other, uh, the Turkish league, um, yeah. power forward. You know, those are the type of guys at 19 and 21 that you might want to take a chance on. So Yeah, the only thing I'll say about that is, you know, it's very difficult to develop as many guys as the Cavs have in the pipeline. Yeah, that's at pretty once. Cool. Yep. Um yeah. and not yeah, bringing in three rookies would be 
incredibly difficult. So yeah, right. Yeah, especially exactly. because how many guys are they carrying over from last year? I mean, right, right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. And so maybe if they package nineteen and twenty one up to snag a giddy snag, or even a, a, I actually do also. One more name for you, Moses Moody. I do like him too, but he's a little, he's not, um, I'm not sure if he can pass as a wing. I was trying to stick with wings. Um, so he's probably more of a two guard, but he does, he also has some intriguing characteristics. So, yeah. And I would say if the Cavs didn't have a Dylan Windler already, um, <laughs> I, I would say another guy that intrigues me a lot that I think is probably going to come in and contribute right away. For a good team, uh, is a Corey Kispert. Ooh, um, yeah, right, right. Guy who's as good of a shooter as a senior as we've seen come out of the draft in some time. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe even some Clay Thompson comparisons, although probably not as athletic, but just a super polished scorer, uh, who can do a little bit, who moves really well without the ball. Um, is a decent, you know, can do other stuff. The The question is, is he closer to Clay Thompson or is he closer to Doug McDermott? And <laughs> well, I oh, mean, yeah. that's no, that's you know, no slam on Doug. McDermott. I love Dougie McBuck. Du- yeah. I, but absolutely. Doug McDermott is a bench player in the NBA, a, a high level bench player in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, can that guy be a starter? It, it's hard to say, but I, I like Kispert. Yep. Um, but yeah, segueing over to, so I will, I will talk, you know, end our draft conversation with the kind of what one thing I'll note is that if there's any way for the Cavs to trade and get, uh, Kate Cunningham, it, the only player that should, there should only be two players or draft picks off the table. And that's probably Darius Garland and, um, uh, Larry Nance, <laughs> anybody else you can have. And, and that includes Jared Allen. That includes Isaac Okoro. I mean, if that's, if that would actually be a possibility, I would 100% get on board with that. And, uh, Pat Connaughton just hit an enormous shot to finally give Milwaukee another lead. Oh boy. So, oh boy. Uh, yeah. Amen. I'm with you. Come on, Kobe, get it done. If you're listening, Kobe, get it done. I mean, what's your take on that, Eli? Are you pretty, like, if they had a shot to get Cade, it's pretty much, what wouldn't you give up for me? Do you do you, do you see it the same way or disagree? Oh, I, I definitely see it the same way. Um, Cade would be amazing for, I mean, he'd be a great fit for any team, right? Because he could be Oh yeah, a two, three, four. Can shoot lights out. Maybe even a one, two, three, four. Yeah, um, you know, plays pretty good D, and you know he's not a freak athlete. But I think if if Luka Doncic has made anything, the one transcendental thing I think Luka Doncic has done is he's proven that you don't have to be a freak athlete if you know how to play basketball. Like you can you can trust a non-athletic guy to be your lead playmaker. Well, and and the funny thing about Luca is, it's not like he is a bad athlete. He's just not an an absolutely elite athlete, but he's good enough as an athlete given his size. You know, if you're six foot oh or six foot one, you have to be a really really good athlete. (laughs) Um, If if you're six 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 seven, 
you, you've got some room, you know, especially if you've got great ball handling, great feel for the game, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, that would be a home run for me. I don't think that, and then I see all these people, well, the Cavs shouldn't give up more than another first round draft pick to do that. I was like, I, the Cavs could give up three first round draft picks and call or Colin Sexton. And I would probably be okay. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. um, that guy is to me the, the biggest surefire player, you know, yeah, it's Probably. it's kind of weird. I too, I agree with you, Nate. There's people who are talking themselves out of Cade, and the funniest the funniest line I heard about Cade is that Cade is so advanced that he knew that his teammates sucked this year. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and the other thing, I mean, if Detroit does that to their fans, then you know, oh my goodness, that, the GM ought to be fired out of a cannon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. Which is would go, which probably goes back to your original point, Nate, which is probably 100% correct, is they're not even close to considering trading down. You know, it's it, that has to be the case. I, I mean, I don't know what the it, the weird report was the one that Eli cited at the beginning of this, uh, which was the they want to swap with Houston to take Jalen Green. That is the craziest that that to me makes no sense. So and so, I I don't know. That, where that, that sounds like a rumor that may have come out of Houston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until Fertitta realizes he has to pay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, and get him, and, get him, Eli. And that was my uh, thing. Of like, why don't you offer to eat? You know, Eric Gordon's salary for. Uh, for the right to move up a spot. I would love to see that. You Nate know. knows the way to Tillman for Tita's heart. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's junk bonds, uh, goofy restaurants, and and cash. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Who anyway. Who move up for, though, Nate? I'm kind of curious. Oh, move up one spot to... for green. Oh, you would? Okay. That's what I'm saying. I mean, offer to eat Eric Gordon's contract to move up one spot to draft green. Um, cause I actually think Eric Gordon would be useful on the Cavs. Uh, even though he makes 18 million over the next two years and has a, I think a $3 million buyout after that. But I, I actually think he'd solve a ton of problems for the Cavs cause he can play the backup point guard for them. Uh, he's a guard with a little bit of size who can come off the bench. Um, and then if, you know, you, he actually fits whether they have sex in or not, just cause he can kind of do the Exum role of the last year, but is a lot better shooter. I mean, I so, love him. I do like, I, him. I, I don't love Eric Gordon. I think he's definitely past his prime. Oh, sure. Um, sure. I mean, for what he is, you know, I right. just always had a soft spot for him. So. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. he definitely had years of his career shortened by injury. Yeah. Oh that's, my gosh. Thing, yeah. Yeah. Where are you guys oh, at happened? in the game? I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't see know. The, the sick block there, Nate? I did not. I just saw Middleton in the end one. Oh, Giannis boy. blocked like a Aiton alley-oop. Like Man, it, it's impressive that the Bucks steal this one. They have no business stealing this one uh, from the way it was looking. 
Well, to me, it was like the Bucks were always right there, but they couldn't string enough shots together. I right. mean, they're just shooting so badly. Yeah, they are. They're still But right now, if Middleton makes this, they're up five with 27 seconds left. And wow. I mean, if there's a player, if there's a coach that can screw that up, it's Bud. <laughs> but hey, Bud, Bud hadn't been that bad. Oh, my God. That Atlanta game that they lost where he didn't challenge – Oh, the right, kick right. out on the three pointer. It was like, what are you doing? Didn't they lose in double overtime? Sleep at the wheel. Sleep. Wasn't that a double overtime game? It might have been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. Know. Atlanta. Like, oh, or yeah. yeah. The was Nets. it? Was it a? Uh, yeah. It was against exactly. the Nets. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was like, what are you doing? Just, <laughs> I I cannot stand these coaches that waste their challenge. Or never use it. It's like pick a high EV play that is going to, you know, affect the points one to two points and use your challenge at some point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway. Talk to him, Nate. Talk, Talk to, to him. him. I will. <laughs> I will. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the elephant in the room or – Rather, the six foot one pygmy elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> Colin Sexton uh, has gone from being underrated to being overrated to being underrated. And now a lot of really goofy trade rumors involving Colin Sexton are abounding. Um, I wild. think Elay's probably the guy that gets the most worked up. And I know you got a heart out soon, but I would say uh, I, I want rant on Elijah Kim. Yeah, rant yeah. on. We're kicking back. Oh, okay, right. I've prepared wow. your soapbox. Your soapbox is <laughs> dusted off. It is ready for you. Please proceed. I got to be honest. I am in a tough spot with the sex and stuff. I think the reason this discussion is so toxic and back and forth is that We've just swung the pendulum back and forth so many times. There's been line drawings between the Cavs fandom, Cavs Twitter. And it's just like if you have a take that's in the middle, which is honestly, I think I'm like more in the middle on Sexton. But it's like you have to pick a side. And I would lean towards trading him this year. Um, and some of the trade rumors that I see are just bonkers like the the reported Knicks trade for Kevin Knox Obi Toppin and one of the first round picks like I would not accept that deal any day no matter how negative <laughs> uh, you think of Sexton yeah <laughs> well and none of those guys make any sense for the Cavs <laughs> like if Kevin Knox turns it out around and has a great year for the Cavs well all of a sudden they've got to pay him because he's the same draft class as Sexton <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like, what, why does that make any sense for you? <laughs> yeah, it made no sense. And, and then Obi Toppin, if the Cavs draft Mobley, where does Obi Toppin play? Um, you know, he just, I don't even think he sees the floor for the Cavs. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree he's, with yeah, he's a back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd rather play Dean Wade at this point than Obi Toppin. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I know the Cavs are trying to get veteran leadership, but you don't have to trade for second year. For <laughs> second year well, he is like twenty six now. <laughs> yeah, so. he's, he's a Buddy Healed. Is he the next Buddy Healed case? Uh, 
So there would be an interesting Colin Sexton trade. Would you trade Colin Sexton for Buddy Heald? <sighs> that's, I mean, probably not. I mean, that's just, uh, sw- isn't that uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? Yeah, and the, the problem with Buddy Heald is he's like 28 now. Right. And yeah. he doesn't really fit the Cavs timeline. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather overpay a 22-year-old than a 28-year-old, so. Yeah. Um, I I would say one of the things that really gets me about the Colin Sexton situation, I know, Chris, you are not a huge Sexton fan, and we all have his quibbles, our quibbles with his defense, especially in, you know, his tunnel vision. But I would say the thing that is got to be galling to him, his agent, and, you know, people that watch the Cavs is the Cavs pretty much promoted him as the face of the franchise and as the future and as the, and really showcased him for three straight years and gave him no indication that he was kind of out of their core or out of their future. And if they just go ahead and trade him for some draft picks, that is to me a, a, you've kind of crapped on a dude that did everything you wanted him to do off the court. Um, Yes. His on the court stuff was frustrating, but I never heard one person say that Colin Sexton was uncoachable. Didn't do what the coach wanted them to do. Wasn't working out every day. Wasn't a great culture setter in the locker room. Um, And and if you're just going to go ahead and trade that guy away, to me, that's a really bad look for your culture and the way that you're running your org. And, you know, if if you thought he was a bench player all along, then why the hell didn't you just bring him off the bench and groom him for that role? Now you've groomed him for a role that doesn't make any sense, given the way you've showcased in the last three years. And I'd be pretty darn irritated if I was Colin Sexton and his agents too. So that that's kind of my take on it. The other part of it being it's really hard to find – fair value for him because I I actually think a guy like Colin Sexton is almost more valuable on a team like the Knicks where they've got a good defensive foundation around him. They need people to get them buckets. Um, You can play Colin Sexton in a situation like that. The Cavs. Yeah. He scores for them, but he's not helping them win games. So does he make sense on the Cavs roster long-term? I don't know. And given that you got Darius Garland, who's 6-1, you know, he's got to be paired with a playmaker that, you know, is taller than him to make the NBA lineups work. And he's just a weird fit in a lot of places. So it's it's hard to get value. The thing is, the Knicks make sense for him, given their roster and kind of the history with Tibbs and guys like that, like Derrick Rose. Absolutely. No, he fits fits the Knicks like a glove, which is why I buy the the rumors. uh, and, uh, and, and, and really the question becomes is, will the Knicks actually give up those picks? They should, they absolutely should. If I just talking with people from the Knicks perspective, um, uh, to me, they're, I mean, they're overvalued. They don't think Colin Sexton's worth all the picks, but I mean, just from, to me, I was breaking down the trade with one of the one of the commenters, the commentary, and uh, really it's about those p- first round picks. I mean, they're not really of great. The Knicks are overvaluing them and 
the report never specified which of the three picks they were offering. If it was 31 or 32 or whatever, that's a joke. I mean, and honestly, it's a joke if it was just one of them. But I mean, a serious offer would be 19 and 21, in my opinion. If you're talking both 19, 21 uh, with Obi Toppin and uh, Knox to make the salaries work, that's to me about, I think, represents fair value for what Colin Sexton is worth, the ways Colin Sexton is seen uh, around the league. Um, secondarily, to your point, I totally agree with you. Like, uh, if I was Colin Sexton, I'd be really mad, you know, like it, that it's gone this way, <laughs> uh, for him. Um, uh, just with the promotion aspect, you're totally right. I mean, it's just, it just seems like it was just, uh, it's one of those things that I think, or the, the front office was trying to do to prove they won the Kyrie trade, you know, and, and just for no reason at all, instead of just, you know, bringing him up responsibly, you know, not forcing, you know, the coaches to play him or whatever the reports were, you know, from his first year and stuff like that. So it's just kind of weird that way. But, um, yeah, yeah, the, I totally agree with you. It's, it's really hard to, that's the weird thing about the whole Sexton talk is like, oh, there's all these teams that want him. The, the Heat won him. The Knicks won him. So-and-so wants him. But then when we talk about the offers, the offers are garbage. So, you know, Colin Sexton is available. It's a whole bunch of teams won him. And then fans are saying, oh, my God, he's so valuable. What, what You can't just give him away. But then when we get down to the brass tacks, it's like, well, pretty much you're probably just going to get mid-first-round picks. Two mid-first-round picks for Sexton plus a NBA bench player in Obi Toppin, that's probably fair value for Sexton for what he is right now. I mean, basically, uh, he's, he's an unknown. He's a lottery ticket. So, um, you know, th- there's my there's my soapbox ran on Sexton. What about um, the R.J. Barrett rumors that you heard today? I don't think there's any way the Cavs are getting their hands on R.J. Barrett. And the rumor I heard was if they wanted to do Sexton for Barrett, the Cavs would have to give something up. Um, and I think you were commenting on that today, Eli, on the, the CTB like, um, Twitter feed. And kind of my take on that was, well, the only thing the Cavs could really add to that that would probably be valuable to the Knicks is a guy like, um, Torian Prince would actually make some sense for them because he's a pretty good shooter. Um, and, and I feel like he would work well in a Thibodeau system. I feel like he needs a strong coach. So I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that do you think R.J. Barrett is a real possibility, Eli, or is that just smoke? Uh, I don't think it's a real possibility. I do think the Knicks aren't. Uh, I think they're not as high on him as they when they drafted him. Um, but you know he doesn't fix any problems for the Cavs either. He's not a great shooter, and he's definitely been more of a better small ball four. I think that's what. Tibbs was using him as where he was most effective this season, a bigger playmaking wing or a small ball four. So I, know, I actually don't hate that, that skill set on the Cavs. No, yeah. I don't either, but I, I do agree. I think there's just a weird, I do agree that the Cavs would probably have to give something up. I just don't know what the Knicks would want. Is it like a veteran, like Torian Prince or Jetty Osman? I mean, I think Osman could be a good fit because, Theoretically, he shoots the reason he's not a horrendous NBA defender. Um, obviously, he had a really bad year this year, but I think 
he'd be an okay fit with them too. But I just don't think his value is that high at this point. Um, but I would trade for Barrett if it was available and it didn't cost you anything crazy um, for, you know, in terms of draft capital in the next two years. And another, you know, just to pile on a little bit more on the Sexton and the Cavs organization, I, I 100% agree with you. I think the messaging from the Cavs organization has been horrendous the last two, three years. And right now, they're, Cleveland's probably paying the price for that bad messaging. When you use your most plugged-in media guy to, you know, soften the blow and suggest like, oh, you know, Sexton's not a real point guard, but look at all these assists he has. You know, don't be surprised if he gets, you know, something close to the rookie max extension. When those articles are out there and everyone's re-aggregating them, it's all over the news. And then now when it comes time for brass tacks, like CLF says, like the Cavs don't want to pay anything him anywhere near that number now. And unfortunately, that's the bed that they made by nominating him to player of the week for two years. And the only time that they knowingly did not was when Garland had his career high. So it's yeah. like, it's just crazy that now <laughs> they can't be the ones point like be like, oh, we don't know why like Colin feels disrespected that we don't want to pay him close to the max. And it's like, guys, you guys made this bed for the last two, three years. Like, it makes yeah, I mean, you gave the guy carte blanche. And, and like I said, Colin's done nothing off the floor as far as I've heard, but be an absolute professional. So I think that's the other issue with it is if this is a guy that had an attitude problem or is a locker room problem, I mean, I think Kevin Love and some of the vets had issues with him, but, you know, that had more to do with the situation he was in. And like you said, the Cavs terrible messaging than it did to, with Colin Sex and the person, in my opinion. So I, I don't know. Um, I do. So do you think that there could be an R.J. Barrett, Colin Sexton swap? Like, would the Cavs have to give up a future first to make that work? It To me, it almost fe- feels like fair value. But, I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that would be fair value if you give them, like, a lottery protected first and then de-escalate the protections or, you know, a couple of years of protections and then you give two, two three, four seconds or whatever. Um, I think RJ Barrett's fit on the Cavs would actually be really good. And if the Cavs had a draft Mobley, I mean, it just from a team construction format, like it'd be, it'd be a lot, it'd be great. I mean, you could play a Coro at the two, Barrett at the three, Mobley theoretically at the four for now. Um, you know, it just makes a ton of sense. Um, I, it, it would be absolutely perfect if somehow you could trade Kevin Love into space on the Knicks. Yeah, but um, I think the Knicks are going big free agency hunting. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I agree. And no I, I think that's the other part of the R.J. Barrett thing is they would want to get all those ducks lined up before they actually pulled the trigger to, on the trade uh, and then kind of make all that work with, you know, you know how when you sign guys and how you order things matters in terms of cap implications. The cab, the Knicks would want to optimize that, but that's one place that uh, Colin Sexton actually makes a lot of sense for them because they can go big free agent hunting in this uh, draft or in this free agency period. And then they still got Colin Sexton on a rookie and then his extension wouldn't even kick in until next year. So 
Yeah, would they get Berg rights? Or, yeah, or they would. they would own his restricted at rights? Yeah. Okay. And they could and they could supermax him if he if Colin Sexton turns out to the player that some of the cast theory thinks it could be. So Yeah. Right. Because when you trade for a player on a rookie contract you can give him the supermax. So Yeah. No, that's why uh, you're right on it. Like that's why I think it's a legit uh a legit discussion because it just seems like a win-win, especially if those if the Knicks are coming off those picks, you know, in this year's draft. Uh I think it's a legit conversation if if uh the Knicks are serious about uh letting go of those draft picks. Yeah, I I will say that to me I would rather have one pick in the late lottery than two at nineteen twenty. So I feel like you'd have to get a third team involved that might feel differently about that. But I think that's a tough sell because this really feels like that tier is around fourteen fifteen. Um yeah, of, I, of where yeah. the elite guys are. Yeah, that's it's a, that's a good point. Is it would be the ideal spot seems to be somewhere 10 to 15, you yeah. know, taking a guy that falls, taking a Jalen Johnson or, a, you know, does Scotty Barnes, you know, come down or Giddy come down or, you know. I mean, just from a just, name recognition standpoint, yeah, boy, I start getting into the mid to late teens and I'm like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> well, the one yeah. the one team that I think was interesting on the list for the Colin Sexton series was the Pacers. Because they have a 13th pick, and it's very open that that's marketed. Um, they want to get rid of that pick. Interesting. Uh, could um, that be a Sexton destination? Maybe, but I do think a part of it is you don't want to trade Sexton to your division rival, right? Like you, right. I, I don't the think Cavs that matters that much. A year. I don't think that matters that much, honestly, in a, uh, you know, where the Cavs are at on their timeline. True. Um, I right. don't think that. Um, his agency would love that. I'm sure they would love to get him to a bigger market. Well, that that's what I thought was interesting. Someone said that he's a CAA. He's with CAA, right? Which is uh, obviously who that, run the Knicks. Why, yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although, was there some Brogdon for uh, Sexton, or was it someone else? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> the, well, the, the salaries don't match. That's the problem. Well, no, and. Okay, yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, but the Cavs have, I mean, you could Prince. sell in, yeah, throw Prince. in Prince and Chetty and call it a day. Mm-hmm. You know, I the problem with Brock, I love Brogdon, but he's always hurt. Right. You know, he's right. also and like I'm, almost thirty. Yeah, yeah, and like, I've yeah, got no like interest 30. anymore in Cavalier players with injury histories. <laughs> Just stop. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No more rolling the dice there. If a guy hasn't help, been healthy over the last two, three years, I don't want him. <laughs> anyway. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I really like the idea of like a 13th pick and then what about like a 13th pick and then a sign in trade for McConnell, TJ McConnell. Now you're talking. I mean, I don't think that the Pacers would actually do that because I think they really value TJ McConnell. But I think there are some guys on that squad that would make sense for the Cavs. Um, Yeah. Uh, Dougie McBuckets would be a possible sign and trade. Yeah, I'm not a huge. I don't know if Dougie McBuckets fits on this team that well. But I don't know. But the 13th pick, I I think, is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I would love a guy in that range. 
Um, but I do think you feel like you need a little bit more for Colin Sexton. So maybe the 13th pick and a future pick. And I mean, TJ McConnell and TJ McConnell and 13 is already pushing it. I think, I think that's a, maybe if maybe a future pick that'll be if he if they were able to get a future pick too with TJ McConnell in 13 I would like they should they should run yeah. to the, they should drive him to the airport if that's the case <laughs> the thing yeah is that, I think it would I think that future pick would be pretty heavily protected yeah, yeah that's yeah that would be probably the, the Cavs can just sign McConnell um well, that outright exception too. So it's that's like, true. Why would you I don't think like do the Cavs have a shot in hell at him? But yeah, I would think he would yeah. want to go to a winner, um, play play yeah. as a role player on a winner. Yeah, exactly. Either that, or he wants he's going to go for the money. Right. So right. Yep. Yep. I, I'm uh, I'm a little skeptical on. I, I'd have to look at the rest of their roster. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk on Miles Turner. Um, he doesn't make any sense on the Cavs, just given their log jam in the front court. Um, is there, now you got me interested. Now I got to pull up trade NBA. <laughs> um, was there anybody else on the list, Eli, besides the pick? Uh, Miami Heat were certainly on the list, weren't they? Oh yeah. The Tyler Harrow. Yeah. Tyler Harrow, who they wouldn't give up for Harden, and now, <laughs> now they're going to settle for Collins. What a difference a couple couple months makes. <laughs> but the Miami one is tricky because the only way the numbers work, from my understanding, is uh, it's either Harrow straight up, but I think the Cavs would want to get rid of Kevin Love in that trade, and the only way that would work is if Miami executes the tr- team options on Drogic and uh, Iguodala. So it'll be interesting to see what the Heat does. If they do pull the trigger and execute those options and sign them up for another year, you have to think that there's a big trade brewing or some sort of a framework that it doesn't have to be the Cavs, obviously, but they have some framework of a trade um, going in this offseason. So it'd be interesting to see how that Miami thing plays out because I would. I think Miami is actually a great fit for Colin Sexton too, because they have Jimmy Butler, who is the bigger player that play makes for them primarily. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time this season, they were playing Robinson and Harrow and Butler, and Butler was the main playmaker. Harrow was trying to be the secondary playmaker, and I think that's part of the reason why his stock kind of plummeted. He was a little uncomfortable doing that all year. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I think that's a that'd be. For me, I think the Miami situation where you take back the last, uh, you know, the team options of Dragic, Iguodala, hopefully you can flip that, maybe get a second-round pick for some of those players or, heck, even a, you know, first-round pick, late first-round pick from a contender or something for Dragic or Iguodala. Like, that'd be ideal for me, and you get off of Love's contract. That's the best scenario I've seen so far, to be honest. That's that's interesting that – that Miami offers the opportunity to get off the love contract. So that that's what definitely piqued my ear when you were talking about it, Eli. What about a uh, TJ Warren from the Pacers? <laughs> I'm a fan. Uh, I, I, you know, but I mean, his, I doubt they trade him because I mean, they, he has no value. I mean, like they probably, I think they would want to pump up his value. Would they not? Yeah. And he's also another guy that can't stay healthy. Yeah, <laughs> you violated. You just violated your own rule, Nate. 
I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing, like you said, if they did do that to get him to take love, they'd have to basically buy out Iguodala, right? Yeah, so, you'd have yeah. to take back Iguodala and Dragic for the numbers to work on a Kevin Love swap. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and I feel like you could probably flip Dragic, but uh, Iguodala is a buyout at that point. Yeah. And I- Iguodala probably wouldn't even show up. I I would just make him show up and tell him, well, if you're not going to show up, you got to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's so washed. Like, yeah. I, oh yeah. I mean, he's well, he's a yeah. guy that can play five ten minutes a game. Um, he's a coach on the floor. That's I mean, true. it's whatever. Yeah. But he's one of those guys they signed knowing that they were probably going to have to eat or get somebody else to eat the back end of his deal. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I feel like we've kind of beaten the Colin Sexton and the draft stuff to death. And anything else we want to cover? Um, I I don't think there was too much other Cavs news other than Delhi, you know, goodnight sweet Prince on his way to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, super fun. Got player. Um and now, really, with him gone, Kevin Love is the only remember remaining member from the championship team. Oh man! Um, yeah, unless they trade for Iguodala, and then they could keep that going. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they did have Verizhou, who was who, oh, who yeah, came up right. big, That's true. the double agent, the double yeah, agent. double agent, <laughs> <laughs> secret secret agent, man. Yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. So anything, uh, anything to pitch? Any stories, Eli? I know you got a roll. Uh, no, no major stories. Um, I guess one tidbit information. Um, I am fortunately going to be in Cleveland for the draft. I got invited to go to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse um, to watch the draft. I think Nate might be joining me. Ooh. Working out the logistics, but um, CTB magic at the draft. Yeah, so we're <laughs> we're we're possibly going. We'll probably we're going to be working the phone lines and trying to get Cade <laughs> to Cleveland. There we so. go. Now we're talking. I hear there's also disgruntled Luca out there. Oh Discr- yeah, and oh, yeah. They, they said there was a there's a hex on his 2021 or whatever 2K cover. You know, because. Uh, yeah. We're hoping for some 20. So has there been news that he's disgruntled now? Uh, uh, no, not, not since we talked last. Oh, okay. No, I just did like the big thing would be as if he said, I'm not signing the extension. That would be the, and if that happened, all hell would break loose. Oh man. Oh, it would be, it would be like the madness over Giannis where everybody was, Saving their cap space, it would be like that times a million. So, yeah, it would be actually, I think it would blow up this year's free agency class because a lot of teams would punt on their cap space, right? No, I mean, well, yeah, because is I mean, like, I looked at the list, the list is insane for 2022, yeah. and, and I'm guessing that's the that's when his that's the first year he can sign his extension, yeah, because I'm guessing that, yeah, exactly. Year. There you go, yeah, there you go. So yeah, cr- well, that's when his extension would kick in because he's the same yeah. draft class okay. as Colin. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's exciting. I'm I'm hoping that that all works out for for me and Eli. I'm I've been a, a Midwestern traveler going back and forth between a couple states. Um, 
Brincade home, guys. I got Brincade home, but um, <laughs> I do have a couple things to pitch. I've been watching a show. I binged the whole first season in like a weekend and the show uh, Black Summer, which is a Netflix zombie show. And it is nonstop action. Like people are dying. Zombies are eating people from the first five minutes in and it never stops. Like it is just so intense. There's one episode that takes place in a abandoned high school with like, it's basically like girl who owns a city and these high schoolers are like running amok. And it's almost, it is like a horror movie where they're basically doing like, you know, saw level pranks on these people. And then there's, meanwhile, there's zombies rolling around. It is just crazy. They will kill a major character, like, at the drop of a hat. And you're like, oh, bleep, what the hell just happened? You know, and it is a awesome, it is a really good show in that regard. Uh, it's a real adrenaline rush. Um, I will say the end of the first season gets pretty over the top. Um, and then I'm on the second season now, and it's it's just as fun. So I'm enjoying that. And then I binged a show uh, that came out last year on Apple TV called uh, For All Mankind um, because I, I got the free trial of Apple TV so that I could watch Ted Lasso, which I did, which is fantastic if you haven't watched it. But I feel like enough people have recommended that. But For All Mankind was a lot of fun. And it's basically the premise of the show is if the Soviets had made it to the moon first and the space race just kept going into the eighties and, um, you know, uh, they're, they're weaponizing space and dueling moon bases on the moon. But the kind of the cool thing about it is they're all, it's all these real people like, you know, Buzz Aldrin and John Glenn and, um, you know, Richard Nixon and Ted Kennedy, Ted Kennedy becomes president because Chappaquiddick never happened, um, in this timeline. And I mean, it's crazy. So it's, it's actually really cool that they're real characters, but they're leading fictional, fictionalized lives, uh, that if, you know, one thing had happened differently and that it's a cool premise, got a pretty good cast, pretty well acted. It's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. Nice. Really, really well produced too. So they spent a lot of money on it and, you know, for the four different shows that Apple TV has. So, (laughs) wow. Dang. See, now I've got like five tabs open checking out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it is, it's supposed to be coming back for a second season. So, uh, anything to add, Chris? Uh, oh, I just had, oh, see, so I'm so far behind the times. The only thing that, uh, the the only movie that I've seen of late um, was Tenet, and uh, I'm surprised that people didn't like it. I thought it was great, so I don't know why people didn't like it. But uh, it's very entertaining. The effects are awesome. Explain how it makes sen- any sense to me. To me, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's that's uh, the problem get, with it. Oh yeah, well I mean I think it was a pretty decent. It was it was a good attempt at a realistic uh, scenario about time travel. I think that's basically the takeaway is that it was trying to come up with an accurate or somewhat realistic portrayal of a, the possibilities of time travel. 
Yeah, and this is my – but it kind of to me suffers – now, I really enjoyed it, but I can understand why people didn't like it. And I will say yeah. it suffers from many of the same flaws that other Christopher Nolan movies suffer from in that uh, – and and obviously not Batman, but um, Interstellar and uh, Inception, Inception and this yeah. movie, they all have these great premises and I feel like – when you look at them too closely, they kind of fall apart and don't make any sense logically. Right. And I feel like they kind of skimp on the science and go for the the easy ending and yeah, uh, kind of yeah, bail I, out I, on the script toward the end. And no, I, I totally – That's the problem. No, that's totally fair because what you're making me think is it would have been so much better as like a limited series or like – you know what I mean? like a Or like a couple season, you know? Yeah, to to actually get into that stuff because they, I thought that the there was a couple of ideas in there that were worth exploring much deeper. In I totally get what you're saying as far as the it just it doesn't stand up to the scrutiny of a deep philosophical and scientific exploration of the idea. So. Absolutely. The, yeah. But uh, that, that, that'd be the only one. I thought it was good. So I like, no, the, it's, I like it's the super entertaining, too. super well-made. Yeah, um, the lead actor. Fun to great. watch. I don't know who oh, his yeah. name is. John David something, I thought. Or oh, something. Um, no, it's... Uh, is, is he in anything else? Or? It's Denzel Washington's kid. Oh, is it? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's, I'm an um, idiot. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's... um. <laughs> Yeah, John he David was in Washington. Yeah, he was uh, in uh, Black Panther. I'll be dead. Or not Black Panther, Black Clansman. Sorry. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he was I fantastic in that. Right, um, right, right. And that then was... uh, Robert Pattinson was great, too. But yeah, he's. Yeah, he's right, right. They downplay it a lot, but he's Denzel Washington's son, and he's a fantastic actor, like his dad. So. Yeah, I know. He was terrific. I thought he was amazing. Like, he. Just I don't know what it was. He just got a charisma about him that's like uh, it made the it made the movie enjoyable. So I was I was super impressed with him. So it was fun. So that that's my pitch. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it out there, and you, I'm probably the last person that saw it. So <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's all we got on Cavs podcast. Right. Uh, we'll probably be back in a week or two. Okay. Um, just going. I know we'll be back in two weeks for the draft and uh, hopefully we can have, I'd love to do a game seven podcast um, Mm. because I'm hoping this gets to seven. I feel like it's definitely trending that direction. Both teams just play so much better at home. So I'm rooting for Giannis and the Bucks. I stand small markets. So there we go. That's right. That's right. And the central division represent. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Uh, no, I actually thought it was really cool that Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar oh, yes. were oh yeah in the house. Kareem won them their only championship like fifty some years ago. That's right. Yeah, pay pay homage to the greats of the game. There you go. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Okay, I was hoping you'd say it, Chris. Yeah, that's, sorry, I know. I, I was on top of it this time. <laughs> uh, you, you you were a little slow. Thank you for listening to Cabs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Lost